everyone to the Rest Podcast, where our goal is to help each and every one of you displace confusion, chaos, and dis-ease in order to heal and find significance in life. I am your host, Natalie Williams, and I am here with the author of The Reconstitution Method for Healing and Rest, Virginia Dixon. Hi, Natalie. Hi, Virginia. Late night tonight, but Good I am night. so excited that we are here. And of course, it is February, so we are talking about love, and we have an amazing couple here that I've known for a while and that you've been working with for three years. So, Bree and Trevor Arndt, thank you for joining us. What's up, everyone? Hi. Thank you for having <laughs> us. Well, actually, about three years ago, we met, and we worked mm-hmm. together just under a year. Is that about right? Yeah, it's crazy. It's been about three years yeah. now. I didn't want people to think we'd been working for a whole period of three years, but it's been quite a journey. Mm-hmm. The reason I invited both of you to join me on the podcast is because I think it was 2017, spring 2017, maybe 2018. I think 2018. 2018. But spring of 2017. I had a particular beautiful, beautiful girl struggling with all kinds of disease who tried everything, came in to see me. And she's very verbal and she has a little healing business herself that she's doing now. It's it's amazing. Her name is Lauren Weary. And Lauren Weary referred so many, 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 many people to rest. I can't even count them, honestly. Yeah, there's a lot. There was a lot. But that particular year... Between Kelly and a few doctors that I'm working with and the Ewings, I think I had about just shy of a hundred people that I saw over a course of a year and a half. And the message that echoed was confusion, chaos, and dis ease. That was a culture in your generation. Mm-hmm. You're 24, 25 years old, Trevor. You're 35. 34. Yeah, 34. And that's the range. That's our range, right, Natalie? Yeah. It's Just amazing. Yeah, to, up to 44. <laughs> well, from 24 to about 44, that's our listening audience. Yeah. The bulk of them, and 50-50, by the way, up to about 30, 50%, and from 34, I think, to 44 in their early 50s. Oh, yeah, we yeah, have some 50%. that go into, like, the mid-60s as well, for sure, but, yeah, majority is definitely millennials. Millennials. So there's kind of a split there, right? But that idea, that concept of this culture of confusion, chaos, and disease about identity, about purpose, and really about health. Like, what's happening to me? I'm too young to be this anxious, this depressed, this... I'm not feeling well. And mm-hmm. I want to get off all these meds I'm on. I, I need to just not depend on all this stuff I'm doing. I want to heal. So your story is a remarkable one. And I thought we'll start with that. So Trevor, welcome. Bree, welcome. Thank I'm you for so, having us. <laughs> I'm so excited you're here. Yeah, we're honored to be here. You guys were in that cluster that came during the course of that very specific year. It's unusual to get an onslaught of people in that demographic between, honestly, 22 and 37 years old. That was it. It was incredible. Back to back to back. And you each referred to each other, which was incredible. Yeah. <laughs> and most of 
the people that came in to see me were paying their own bill. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So they were spending their vacation, their partying money, their clothing budget, their savings to come in for healing. Mm-hmm. So displacing the confusion, chaos, and the seas was number one. Number two was, can you help my family? Mm-hmm. They clearly understood that the place they found themselves in was the fruit of the previous generation's confusion, chaos, and disease, and even what happened to them. So I want everybody to hear a little bit of your story and the impact that stepping into this place of rest has had. Bree, we'll start with you. Well, again, thank you for having us today. We're so excited to be here. And, you know, you've made such a huge impact on our lives. And, you know, it's such a fine thread that weaves us all together. But it was such divine intervention that we got connected to you. So a little bit about, you know, my story, my background, as you know, you've worked with my parents and, you know, everyone that love them, love them, everyone that meets them, loves them so much. They have such incredible hearts. I'm so grateful for them. But for myself, you know, growing up in a household with two moms, you know, and in my relationship that left me once I was looking for, you know, who am I going to spend the rest of my life with really having no context of what I'm looking for. You know, I didn't have a model of, you know, what to model a healthy relationship after. And so when I was looking for, you know, who am I going to spend my life with? You know, I I didn't know to look for somebody that's going to be a priest provider and protector of a household. And so, you know, one of the reasons that I believe rest is, is growing like a wildfire is because, you know, this demographic of people that, you know, like you said, you know, 24 to, to 44, you know, this demographic, I mean, everybody, you know, we want truth. We, you know, there's nothing greater than healing and there's no vacation, right? Like you were saying, people were spending their, their parting vacation money. Well, once you enter into that place of, you know, being free, you know, achieving freedom in your life, you're being able to break chains of what's going on. There's nothing greater than that. That's greater than any vacation, any, you know, place you could go to party that you could go to. And so I, I totally see why people were investing into themselves to achieve new measures of freedom and healing in their lives. And I believe rest is just going to continue to grow, you know, in, in this wildfire style, because once somebody accesses that, they're going to want everyone around them to achieve the same measure of freedom in their lives. And you said something really powerful. You mentioned how rest is about understanding the role of a man and a woman in the mm-hmm. context of marriage. And you mentioned you didn't understand the concept of priest, provider, and mm-hmm. protector. And as we delved deeper, we went deeper into those narratives, a lot of clarity began to emerge. But not just for you, but even your moms, they have so, your parents, they had so much integrity in how they showed up for these tough conversations. Because even in the context of what your family structure looked like, Mary is the priest, the provider, and the protector (laughs) in the family. And Teresa is more the nurturing. Mm -hmm. But they both showed up for the conversation about you, willing to unwrap themselves Mm -hmm. and the measure of trauma and abuse and confusion and chaos in their own development. Mm -hmm. And they did what they could with what they had. And then when you were conceived... 
I so deeply respected that they wanted everything for you that was right outside of the things they did to mitigate their own Mm -hmm. confusion and chaos and disease and the fruit of their own pain. So I just wanted to say it was interesting how they both fell into that male-female role and how much integrity they had in how they raised you Mm -hmm. and how much I love them. And I just wanted to take that opportunity to shout out to Mary and Teresa because I think they're giants (laughs) in my life. Shout out to the moms. Something that, you know, came to my mind is, you know, how God will take whatever is going on in life and create beauty out of it. Mm -hmm. Whereas the enemy does the opposite. And I really see with our family in certain things that, you know, just everything that they faced, everything that they went through, they've overcome so much. Individually, right? mm -hmm, And and, together. And so much beauty for, you know, I believe our family, our future family, and what we're going to create is going to come out of just everything that they've overcome. And something that I feel like the enemy has been, you know, trying to use for evil, God has totally turned around and used to create something beautiful. And that's what integrity is. They don't rationalize their deepest convictions about right and wrong to explain their own pain in their own places. They did what they did and and they came to the conclusions they did and they found peace in that. But they didn't make that a public agenda to advance. Mm-hmm social justice causes Mm -hmm. (laughs) they are truly integritous people in their limitations all of us right but i respect that about them so much and brie day one when i sat with you you cried most of the time (laughs) (laughs) and i'll never forget you saying i don't know what it is to be a woman i don't know what the framework of a man really looks like yeah and something that we talked about was even though I was raised in a household of women, you know, femininity was dangerous for my parents. You know, they had to hide what made them feminine to protect themselves. And there for me, even though I was raised with women, it was more of a masculine environment. I always grew up as a tomboy. And so even the past few years, Trevor's seen me totally transform and my energy transform to become more feminine. And, and there's a great book called Captivating. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, so I love it. We've yeah. talked about that book on Do here before. Do we have that on our website? Do we have book. it as a resource? Okay, mm-hmm. yeah. I remember I read First Wild at Heart, which is for the men. The men. Yes. I don't think I've ever read a book so quickly. And we could have a whole separate podcast on gender roles. Mm-hmm. But I remember just reading Wild at Heart and Captivating and truth is so simple laws of nature self-evident truth and our natural affections there it is Mm -hmm. no rhetoric just truth your moms took so much joy in watching you step into freedom i know it's not always pretty but they did take joy every time i spoke to them independently or together first they loved trevor to death Mm -hmm. but secondly they stood in awe and watched you navigate the complexities of ideology and conviction with a lot of respect for you. And they would beam with joy telling me about observing your pilgrimage to freedom and clarity. Mm-hmm. You're going to have to have them on here. Separate, I have separate. to. Yeah. Do you know, after this, we need to have them on here. It was amazing. Mm-hmm. It was amazing. Actually, you know what? 
That's the next thing we're going to have them All on right. next. Yeah. Mary's, Mary's a great talker. So yeah, she is. She'll go off. <laughs> yeah, she um, will. But yeah, I know you've had conversations with them that I haven't been a part of. So it's, it's nice hearing that. And I mean, I, I even remember specific moments of just achieving new levels of freedom as I was going through this new pilgrimage with you. Because for me, you know, I, I started growing my faith in high school. And so when Trevor and I started dating, beginning of me being in college, I, I didn't lose my faith. I had just lost my focus. And, you know, something that I've really been studying lately and I'm so passionate about, you know, another great mentor of mine has really been helping me work on is just how our mind is like a garden. And I've really been studying a book called As a Man Thinketh mm. and just the practical application of how to build our character, you know, by, by, you know, focusing on the type of thoughts that we're thinking and, and why do I think there's so much chaos, confusion and disease in this world? Because look at the junk that's constantly being poured into the minds of people. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like there's an agenda. There's almost like a force field Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. between school systems and, and then force negative input. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Force negative input. And because people forfeit their freedom in the midst of utter confusion, chaos, and disease. And that's how the powers that be thrive by causing us to be in this chaotic state mm-hmm. because we'll forfeit our civil liberties for safety, mm-hmm. protection. You're right? Yeah. Yeah, I heard this. Sustenance, everything. Mm-hmm. I heard this kind of silly, silly analogy where a wife was looking out a window and was like, why are the neighbors hanging up their clothing with, with spots? It's so dirty. And the husband was like, uh, honey, your window is dirty, right? It's your window is dirty. And I think a lot of times just with social media and, and what's put out there, right? It, it's just we we have this view of the world that's so skewed. skewed. Mm-hmm. And But the great thing is as soon as you get around truth, in an instant, it can totally wipe that, that slate clean. In an instant, I say all the time, we can turn this thing around mm-hmm. in one generation. One day. One day. In one day. In one day. <laughs> okay, Trevor, you've been really quiet, and you're quite an orator, and you've got a lot to say. I mean, yeah, you for met sure. In, you met in college, and Bree was in the midst of, she just explained it so well. Yeah, I mean, Bree was going to college, and I was just running my business, and so I think it was kind of an interesting journey for us to come together. We both weren't looking for a relationship, and so kind of like my journey, I guess, up until this point has always just been doing what feels right, having fun in the moment, and living in the naivety of life, and just being there to, oh yeah, I didn't know about that, or just kind of chasing that summertime vibe. I mean, being in Orange County, we live in the best place in the world. Like, it is a travel destination. It's never too cold. It doesn't get too hot. We have the ocean and whatnot. And so, really not having much direction or guidance, but really letting my feelings dictate the path that I was going to pursue in life. I mean, I think so many of us out there don't have a guideline or a rule book on what to do, how to go pursue what we want, how we want X, Y, Z, right? We're going to typically duplicate what our input is pouring into us. So that might be our friends, our family, our mentors of that moment, right? Maybe it's a coach, maybe it's a college professor, a high school professor, but so often I just see so many people getting other people's views put into them. And Mm -hmm. that's kind of where I found myself at what I was... 30 when I met you and kind of gone through the traditional entrepreneurship woes and just really trying to figure out 
what I wanted to do and who I wanted to be with the rest of my life. I've never been like a lustful person. I've never pursued or like that endless chase of, you know, how many women can I be with or anything like that. It was always meaningful relationships. And I had come out of a meaningful relationship maybe like six months before, seven months before. And I was just content. I was happy just being myself. And then when Bree stepped into my place of business and then just saw how awesome she was. And I had even asked some of my fellow staff members and I was just like, Hey, like, what do you think about that girl over there? And they're like, Oh, she's super cool. Cause they worked with her first or like guided her through the gym. And so then that's just where, you know, we just started to get to know each other and really starting to build a relationship based on, superficial connection right like looks attraction similar interests you know fun. yeah fun a lot of fun for sure and you're both surfers big surfers mm-hmm. so you have yeah. that in common i mean i definitely think adrenaline junkies right like yeah. adrenaline pursuit. outdoorsy yes 100% 100% right snowboarding surfing climbing you name it like anything that's going to get that heart rate up that's kind of what that adrenaline junkie is searching for and so that brought us together right off the bat yeah and trevor and i met it was over the summer and i was only in california for two three weeks of meeting him before then going to columbia i was studying abroad working on a humanitarian project in medellin and then i was down there for a month and went straight back to colorado because i was going to school at cu boulder so our first year of dating we were long distance and it was this mountaintop experience kind of a relationship where when we would see each other, you know, once or twice a month. Fireworks, baby. <laughs> we would go camping, we would go climbing, we'd go snowboarding, we'd go to concerts. You know, the night Trevor officially uh, asked me to be his girlfriend. He told everyone he was coming out to visit his girlfriend and I didn't know we were official. Um, <laughs> and so I introduced him as my friend. And then that night he changed it. Where he's like, you are my girlfriend. We were at uh, an EDM concert, you know, doing the kinds of things people do with those things we're feeling the vibes it's just (laughs) having fun and so yeah our relationship was definitely built on on just having fun yeah i mean like she was saying just kind of that initial construct of what's put around us like common interests right and those things that bring you together of okay let's go have fun what are these things and then just really understanding that if you want to be in a lifelong relationship if you want marriage to be something like meaningful and you know, spiritually yoked and vision yoked and everything like that, that it had to go for deeper values, right? So finding someone that shares that same, you know, mindset drive and those deeper rooted, you know, constructs of how they're going to make their choices. And so then that's where kind of that initial rift started to happen with our relationship because we've been married six months now. We've been together five years in like a culmination of event but we did take a pretty large break when we first initially came to see you and you were the kind of like mm, i guess the what would you say the uh catalyst <laughs> oh, of no. like y'all have to let each <laughs> other go yeah but i mean it was cool like because i mean i come from a very atheist like i don't even want to say atheist household but like an anti-religion household mm. right and so i can think back to like early elementary school and we stopped saying like grace before dinner and it just kind of like evaporated out of our livelihood and then to be dating like someone on such like a fun basis and then she's like oh yeah I love God and I was like what are you talking about like that's never (laughs) been a like discussion point of our relationship and so then that's when friction just really started to grow and so I like everyone out there I think you have those moments where you're fighting you don't understand why but I think when you have a relationship built on 
you know, fleshly desires, then that will never be able to like withstand the test of time, right? And be able to have like the special uniqueness of having God bring you together. And so that's just where then I went on my spiritual journey of like understanding. I remember um, when I first filled out your questionnaire, it was like, are you saved? And I was like, what kind of question is that? Saved from what? Right. Like I was definitely like such a noob, but like just, you know, ignorant. I, I didn't really know what that was. I never had that input. And, you know, I believe my dad is Christian and a person of faith. And then just my mom is just not there yet. You know, I'm on that mission to kind of save her over time for sure. But she's just got to come at that at her own pace. Right. And so, you know, working with you and just starting to acknowledge, you know, those gaps in our relationship and seeing if we wanted to close those gaps and really decide because like marriage is for life you know divorce is not a thing in our book and nor is it you know written in the good book right and so just really understanding that if you're going to make that choice that it has to be so deeply rooted and I'm glad we had you know your practices and the you know foundation of rest to really work on ourselves and iron out kind of just those humanistic flaws that I think we all have to then set up the stage for, you know, what a grandiose life that we're going to live together for sure. Yeah. Well, it's funny when you mentioned the, are you saved question? I think it was in the context of what your convictions were about the spiritual realm. Mm -hmm. We are a spirit working through a soul in a body. So understanding people's worldview and where they're coming from, how they view this, I talk about this existential quantum field of energy. It's an information system that yeah. is very real, and it transcends our human experiences. But our mind, our heart, our will, our conscience, our soul, right? It navigates those messages, good, bad, right, wrong, light, dark. Absolutely. Balenciaga. <laughs> I mean, I hate to bring this That's up. Crazy. But there it is right before us now. We have to have these conversations. Before, we could be ridiculed as religious zealots. You know, we could be we um, embraced as enlightened atheists sure. or brilliant communists that think outside whatever th it is whatever you've label. got it, whatever label you want to give people right mm -hmm. but at the end of the day there is something that expands life or diminishes it mm -hmm. there's something that brings light and life and good things to our lives or extinguishes it Mm -hmm. There is something that gives us chills and goosebumps and say, oh, moves us to tears. The triumph of the human spirit is wrapped up in that. And then there are those things that bring us shame. However you want to discuss those things in that context, it's so important for me to understand where people have been and the decisions they made and what got them to where they are. So I can help them displace the things that have become confusing to them. Absolutely. I work with many people of same-sex orientation. I have in the course of the last 10 and 15 years. And their stories, the stories are amazing. Mm -hmm. You know, I've worked with Muslims, Hindus. I mean, I've worked with people from all walks of life. Mm -hmm. It's how they've processed this energy field, right? And the consequence it's had in their physiology, anatomy, if I'm working with them at the clinic, or in their lives. And when you two came together, here you are in college where things are coming at you faster than you can digest and process them. And Trevor, you're building a business 
same kind of thing. <laughs> Things yeah, are yeah. coming at you in the same way, whole mm-hmm. different dynamic. But you meet this girl, and you both saw a light and a life in each other. And as messy and as sloppy as relationships can be, you had a deep, profound friendship. Mm-hmm. We both wanted to change the world and make a great impact. I think we mm-hmm. had always been ambitiously yoked. You know what just struck me, you guys? The conversations that I really had with you was about you individually and not you together. Totally. Mm-hmm. Every time. Every time. And people make the mistake, and I don't think this is fruitful or productive, in going into counseling trying to fix the relationship. If that's the case, run for the hills, especially if you're not married. Mm-hmm. Just step away from that. Yeah. Because there's something about love and life and passion and conviction that's very compelling. You shouldn't be in premarital counseling, in my opinion, at that capacity. If you're not trying to figure out what's going on with me. Yeah. But if you're going to counseling to keep a relationship together before you're even married, that's not your person. The relationship's already and over. And I've said that. The relationship's over. And I said that to you, Trevor, I'll never forget, saying, let her go. Mm-hmm. Do you remember that? Uh, we talked about that a couple times. A couple of times. <laughs> and you too, Bree. You know what? Trevor's going to be fine. Let him go. And then... As you guys step into these deeper levels of understanding about yourself, why do I do the things I do? Why is this so important that she sees this my way, that he sees that my way? There are some things that are non-negotiable, right? We discussed those. Mm -hmm. But I saw you both step into a lot of personal work and not work for the relationship. And I think that's Mm -hmm. your, your love story. Yeah. And I mean, there's no couple's growth without individual growth no none and my mentor darcy she always anytime we're anytime we have arguments and i go to her she always brings me back to you know what can i control not trying to control trevor or change trevor because i can't you know once Mm -hmm. i try to i'm giving my power away Mm -hmm. i know people say that but they show up to marriage counseling wanting to work on the relationship neglecting to do the hard work on themselves Mm -hmm. yeah and if you've got to work so hard on yourself to get along with that other person, they're not your they're not your person. I know that's not a popular view, perhaps, but they're not your person. You can love them, you can care about them; they might be amazing, but you need to accept that they're not your person. Trevor, you want to say something? I mean, I always have thoughts for sure, but I mean, along those lines, I think I see so many people I interact with you know, hundreds of people a day for sure. And just seeing how so many people are, they project this image or this reality that they're doing great, but you can see past that veil pretty quickly once you've been around so many people and a lot are, you know, struggling. And I think they could benefit so much by, you know, kind of like what you're saying, working on themselves before making that ultimate commitment. You know, I was talking to someone the other day that uh, recently got married as well. And, you know, we're just going back and forth, exchanging mindset. And for him, it was like, yeah, nothing ever changed. It was just like one day it was, you know, fiance, next day it was wife. And I think for me, you know, being at the altar, getting married and then having those vows for Brie, it was a completely different experience the next moment. Transformational. Yeah, absolutely. I went into marriage looking to, you know, close a book, not just a chapter, but close a book on my life and then start, you know, a new narrative with my best friend. 
And Mm -hmm. I think that happened as we had people speaking into our lives, working on our individual, just like bumps and kinks and things like that. And I love what you said. We didn't have to work that hard on ourselves. It was kind of just realizing that, yeah, we're both not perfect people. We both are sinful in nature, like of the flesh and like knowing to, you know, submit to that and know as we come together as one, then we can overcome anything that stands in our way. And so it's been so unique now on the other side of being in kind of a not fully committed relationship. That's what I would say pre-marriage. And then when you get married, you're like fully committed where, this is you know, it. yeah, that's what you, you, you work so hard for that. For sure. I, I worked hard to, you know, make me mind for <laughs> sure, <laughs> you know, uh, but, uh, just talking to so many other people about that and just seeing how important it is that you shouldn't have to force something to make it work. You should be able to let go and in that gap you create you know a magnetizing effect and i think that's what we experienced when you worked with us individually allowing us to love each other enough to let us go or let each of us go and then you know have like eight months of giving each other space you know going from texting someone i love you good night all that stuff to you know none of that that's kind of scary right especially when you lean on someone and i think a lot of people there's this codependency out there because of the fear of not knowing what's happening in the world or what they're going to do or how to think, how to feel, know what right and wrong and is. And it's just fear of being alone, right? Mm-hmm. In the Absolutely. context of that. You said something that just struck a chord with me. When you have to work so hard at a relationship in the context of counseling before you get married, one person loves the other person more and one person is more invested than the other. Mm-hmm. And it isn't until you can both step away and have faith and confidence in living on your own, Mm -hmm. navigating hard things on your own, and having those dark conversations about yourself with yourself and looking into the depths of your own depravity and your own brokenness, that you really begin to thrive Mm-hmm. It is the beauty in the ashes of looking at the painful things about ourselves. But when we're trying to make this relationship work, the weight of that, it's only a matter of time before a relationship fails. Mm-hmm. Not just the relationship, I've your not body. Seen a, your bo- yeah, not just the relationship, your body. <laughs> no, it's It serious. doesn't work. Yeah. And in the context of that, I will say one person loves another person more. And that's not the recipe for success. No. People no. have to show up and make the commitment to have this beautiful, collaborative, at times some adversarial kind of mm-hmm. natural tension that happens when two lives come together for the sake of growth. It's a matter of fact, I'm not prepared to address this right now, but in the book of Genesis, where it talks about... I was about, just going to bring this up. <laughs> were you? Say yeah. it, Natalie. Yeah, in the book of Genesis, the original Hebrew word for woman is ezer konegdo, and mm-hmm. it means helpmate Help against you, mm. which is different. It has an adversarial aspect to it, and it's because, you know, we talk about how iron sharpens iron, right? Mm-hmm. If she's wood to your axe, Trevor, you're not going to get sharpened, <laughs> right? Same thing the other way around and God created it that way that's mm-hmm. it thank yeah. you Natalie for yeah. filling that in you're yeah. welcome <laughs> and really you, two you guys have represented that mm-hmm. yeah yeah narrative totally mm-hmm. and uh, you know two halves don't make a whole 
And I believe the, you know, 99% of challenges in a relationship come up because they're trying to get from the other person what they need to get from Mm -hmm. God. Mm -hmm. And I will go as far as to say that if we don't have the strength and the courage to recognize the reality of what we're talking about and trying to force something that's not naturally developing, I think the, the children bear the fruit of the pain and the weight of all of that. It doesn't end. Mm-hmm. So it manifests in the kids. It manifests in the kids and the family. I see this every day. Fast forward, hard work, lots of tears. Trevor, I, I respect the times where this is scary. It's, it's, it is scary to let this beautiful treasure, this beautiful woman in your life go. And, I, and I encourage you to just let it go. And if she left, then good for you. Because <laughs> yeah, she yeah. wasn't meant to be yours, but she would come back if she was. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and a big reason he had to let me go, just like you were talking about individually healing and going through individual growth. You know, he had to let me go because I had so much healing to do, become whole on my own to be able to enter into a relationship, to set ourselves up. I feel like before, as you know, as we were talking, came to mind where before we built our relationship on sand and we needed to completely tear it down to be able to build on bedrock, you know, in truth and foundations that are going to be lasting. Mm-hmm. And again, just because I got to work with your moms simultaneously, it was a beautiful thing. We didn't discuss your situations with them. But it was still a beautiful thing to watch the example you two set for Mary, for sure. And even Teresa separately and for separate reasons. It's beautiful what I watched. It's healing. Truth is healing. Mm -hmm. And the truth of a beautiful, healthy marriage between a man and a woman is a beautiful and amazing thing to watch. And the joy that it's brought both of them has moved them individually and together to tears for very compelling reasons that have just caused me to respect them greatly. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I became an ordained minister because of these two. <laughs> I'll never forget when I got the call. Trevor, you first. Why did you call me and decide, Virginia, we'd like to have you marry us? Is that how it went down? Yeah, pretty much. Brie or I think you? I asked you over sushi. Did you? Yeah, you guys took me yeah, out yeah, for yeah. sushi. Or we met up with you for sushi. Yeah, you did. That yeah. was amazing. I mean, I think going back to what you were talking about, when we let each other go and you had that fear and you brought up like loneliness, and I hear a lot from people that they're scared to be alone, and there's such strength to be found in those moments, right? Being alone and yes. being lonely are so different. Lonely is you know, you're focusing on negative energy, you're letting that consume you, and it's not fueling you. But when you can be alone in yourself, right, like you think about, you know, as I have read the gospel and like learned about Jesus's walk, like being 40 days out in the desert on his own, or like out in the forest, right? And like, he's alone in that moment, and you're battling those temptations, and you're overcoming them, and you're finding your roots, and you're letting those run deep. And so really knowing that that moment for us strengthened, who we were as individuals to then create that bond coming back together. And I know when, you know, we came back, it was like, boom, we're ready to go. We're going to like make this thing happen. You guys are all in. Yeah, Mm -hmm. absolutely. And, you know, there will always be other people out there. And I know when you come across a soulmate that it's real. And then that I think was the scary thing when you were counseling us. Can I just say, thank you for saying that. Yes, 
the idea of a soulmate is very real mm-hmm. and it's this alignment and working hard to have a relationship with that soulmate takes a lot of courage and strength and it's terrifying but you've got to have the courage to be alone thank yeah. you for saying that trevor totally and i i was going to lead into that i think is where my faith journey began to walk right yes. because how do you cast out all the doubts and the thousands of thoughts that you have in your day what we have like six thousand subconscious thoughts every day and 70 percent of them are negative and so right how do you combat that and that's by growing a faith right and then leaning into you know our creator and if you know god is love and we're made in his image then we are love and so then you should be able to overcome everything with absolute love right and so and you'll find it in truth mm -hmm. painful as it may be yeah. That's the path to love is truth. Truth sets everything free. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I love 100%. kids because they speak the truth blindly. They just, it comes out of their mouth and they say it how it is. And you're like, okay, cool. And as we grow up to be adults, we fear that we're going to get judged for sharing kind of truthful thoughts or depending on, you know, what rooms we're in and, you know, who we need to make sure that we're in favor with and this and that. But yeah, that's another topic. I think but. it's even more of who we're going to offend, if it's too blunt. Yeah. I think it's, more where it's crazy. Okay, so the marriage. Yeah. What was the deciding factor? Well, I mean. In putting me through all that <laughs> to the point. Hey, you volunteered. <laughs> uh, you said yes when we went out to sushi. That's but. right. You asked. I there's, said yes. I agree. There's agreed. nobody else we would want to have married. I mean, we, we could have found somebody and picked somebody else. But when we were getting everything together of you know we're gonna get married it's like who else but virginia yeah (laughs) i'll never forget your wedding it was an incredible experience first of all it was truly one of the most beautiful weddings i've ever been to i saw the pictures it was fantastic it was fantastic it was quaint it was intimate it was so well thought out every detail and to see your mom's brie sitting in that front row right there to the left and then your parents trevor it was just priceless because you two are the fruit of such complex diverse colorful different oh yeah background oh Oh, yeah it was so different it was amazing but i'll never forget preparing to deliver the message for your wedding because there's so much confusion, chaos, and disease around marriage, around what it is. Mm-hmm. Heck, we can't even define what a woman is. I mean, I can. We can. But <laughs> yes, I'm just saying, can. people, of course we can. But I'll never forget the DJ. Right. There's so many things I remember about your wedding. But the DJ came up to me and said, and he had tears in his eyes. He said, that message was for me. I needed to hear that. Aww. And he said, America needs to hear this message. Mm-hmm. I'll never forget it. And throughout the wedding, your story is such a beautiful one. And by the grace of God, I was able to recap it, sort of, the spirit of it. Absolutely. Yeah. And honor both of you for rising up in a time that really confusion, chaos, and disease is breaking the heart of a generation, derailing the heart of a generation. But there's a lot of stories like yours, Mm -hmm. and they're emerging. And I believe you guys are the warriors that will bring an incredible amount of healing to the institution of the family. 
Yeah, That's absolutely. why I wanted to have you. It was amazing. <laughs> I'm reliving some of those precious moments while I'm talking to you. I can see it. I can, can see you? It for sure. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's just amazing. And I'm so grateful we made the decisions that we did leading up to our wedding because we did a lot of things that nobody around us understood. And Like what? Like... You know, we didn't live together until we got married, like very countercultural with today. You know, we even um, after we had taken a break, like made the decision that we are going to we, we took the covenant of marriage seriously and we wanted to do it the way that God said we should do it. And we believe that we wanted to have a sacred marriage, you know, not just a secular marriage. This isn't just we're getting together to sign some legal documents. This is a covenant between man, woman and God. And so we understood the weight and the gravity of what we were entering into and it wasn't just a celebration of love but this was going to set up our future generations and so we made a lot of hard decisions going into and leading up to that day to be able to you know lay that solid foundation to be able to set up our marriage and and i feel like we've already started to see the the fruits of that and but i feel oh, like we haven't even touched 100%. the fruit of what's to come exactly being obedient it's it feels like a stretch to make those connections, but you are 100% right. While you were speaking, Bria, I was reminded that my son and my daughter-in-law did the same thing. Mm-hmm. And he knew. He was raised up saying, you know, this is something you cherish and you honor. And if you love her, you set your needs and your impulses aside for the good of. But they moved in together. And sure enough, when push came to shove and they decided to get married, they wanted to do everything right. And he will tell you, she'll tell you today the consequence of that decision and how he honored and cherished her. She cried. She didn't want to move out. and Just the fear thing again and all that. But it was such a beautiful thing. And today, what, almost 20 years into their yeah. marriage, she'll say that that was the glue that kept them together during the hardest of times mm-hmm. for ways that are divine. Honestly, she can't even explain. Absolutely. I think, like, one of the big things that she was talking about, another hard thing, right? Like, we had been together romantically prior to our break, and then coming back together and putting God at the center of our relationship, then we chose to be celibate until we got married. And so, when you had, like, tasted the sweet fruit, and then that was pulled away, (laughs) right? And that was, like, really a growing moment. And I think a lot of people might feel, like, shameful for talking about that, but that's another where I think is strength, right? That's where you can be vulnerable and just show people like, if this is what the doctrine of our Lord has set out for us, then to create what we think is so sacred and walk that out, how could we not set the best example for the, you know, relationships that we're going to help empower through the same journey, right? Well, there's something priceless and we'll finish with it because this, because this beautiful note to finish on Trevor but there's something just priceless and sacred when the man in your life Bree can say I hold you to such value and such high esteem that I'm going to sacrifice my deepest desire for you Mm -hmm. because I cherish you and I honor you and I can see that her the response of every woman that longs to be cherished and adored will always reciprocate with trust and respect. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which is a thing that a man needs is respect and a mm-hmm. woman needs to be cherished. Mm-hmm. But what more beautiful way to do that than to say, I'm going to put passion aside 
to honor and to cherish you and we'll have our time but not now yeah yeah it's it's a beautiful thing and you both did it you did it all right and i love you guys so much we love you too thank you for being here thank you All right, everyone. So you heard Trevor talking about his climbing gym. So you can go ahead and look it up. It's called Aesthetic Climbing Gym. And I believe it's in Lake Forest. Is that correct? Perfect. So it's in Lake Forest. If you guys want to go by there, you can always say hi to him. Say hi to Bree if she's there and go climbing. Also, don't forget, our foundational day of rest is on demand to support you in your pilgrimage. Use the promo code podcast in all lowercase to receive a 10% discount. Our final live module two of our 40 days of rest curriculum is starting on April 27th. If you've gone through module one, now is your chance to be a part of the last live module two before it is transferred to on demand. Register today. For updates about rest and this podcast, please visit our Instagram or Facebook, The Place of Rest. If you'd like more information about Virginia or to support and join the cause of rest, please go to virginiadixon.com forward slash collaborate or call 949-289-5935. Thank you for listening to Rest with Virginia Dixon. We'll see you next week. Thank you.